Welcome to Gil Reads Comics, where I recap and review your favorite comics as I guide my previously non-comic reading brother, but now a little bit comic reading brother, Adam, through the world of heroes and villains. Today, we're talking about issue 59 of Batman, written by Tom King, with art by Mikkel Janin. This issue was released on November 21st, 2018. There is an epidemic affecting children everywhere. Comic books. Comics everywhere. Avengers, Batman, Wonder Woman, and they're in movies now, too. In the real world, there is no good and evil. Enough! I'm reading comics, and no one's gonna stop me. Adam, you know how comic books will do reboots and, uh, you know, that kind of thing all the time? Totally. I I think of today's episode, this is like a soft reboot of Gil Reed's comics. We're going to play with the format a little bit. We're going to take the dial and turn it a little bit less recap, a little bit more analysis, and we're trying out something crazy today. You read the comic. I actually looked at it and read the words. You've never done that before. You've never read a comic. <laughs> well, yeah, you can keep sticking to that old line. <laughs> yeah, you've read the classics, really. Watchmen. Yeah. V for Vendetta. But, but for Watchmen, you skipped all the... I skipped the long parts, the text. Right, the in, the in-between <laughs> chapters. I think they even acknowledge that. Right now, they have a, a new Watchmen series that's going on called Doomsday Clock where the Watchmen characters are crossing over into the mainstream traditional DC universe. And I think the writer even said something like, I have the in-between things, and I'm telling you, you got to read them. Yeah. All right? (laughs) Well, I felt bad that I was skipping them. Yeah. It's it's like skipping leg day at the gym. You know you got to do it. You know you should do it. But you just just don't want to. Nah. (laughs) I skipped leg day today. I started to do legs, and then I said, "Screw it!" I'm gonna I just... can see the guilt is is chewing away at you. I know, I know. I mean, I'm trying to and look at me. I'm trying to blame Alan Moore, Watchmen. <laughs> this is all his fault. All right, enough about that. Let's get into comic or comic related news. <laughs> I notice we always do the sound effect like ourselves, and then we play yeah. the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but do we? Cut out our our saying of it. And we're definitely not going to cut it out this time because then we yeah. have to cut out all the surrounding commentary too. Uh, well, then I should have gone. Beep, 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 beep. Comic or comic related news. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. You're familiar with this movie? Movie? Yeah. Oh, wait. That's a recent thing, right? Yeah, this is a new animated Spider-Man movie that's actually coming out in two weeks. One of the rare animated superhero films being released theatrically. It's Mm. uh, inspired by the 2014 Spider-Verse comic event where a bunch of different Spider-Man characters cross over with each other. Right now you're aware. What's that? Like Spider-Ham? Like Spider-Ham. He's in the movie. So you saw one of the old trailers, right? I don't think so. You, 
Did I? I was gonna I was gonna text you and ask you to watch the trailer before the episode, but I thought he's definitely seen the trailer. Everyone's seen it. <laughs> the movie comes out in two weeks. I've never even read a comic. Yeah. <laughs> you're right, you're right. All right, so we're still working out some of the kinks in this rebooted version of Gil Reed's comics. The one the but, one where you expect me to be prepared. <laughs> exactly. Or expect you to do something around here. The uh, so the movie, like I said, it's it's an animated movie. It's got an interesting animation style. Looks a little different from traditional two D or three D animation, but it crosses over all these different Spider Man characters. The news is that they're already developing a sequel and an all female or a female led spinoff, where we're expecting that probably Spider Gwen, who is in the Spider Verse movie coming out. We're expecting that probably she'll lead a team of female heroes or, uh, you know, a, a, yeah, a group of female mm. heroes. So and clearly Sony be... has a lot of confidence in this movie. Uh, it's Sony? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Then I don't have a lot of confidence in it. Is why it would 2D? you say that? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I can tell you why. Because, because they don't have Venom, a good track record. Amazing Spider-Man 1, Amazing Spider-Man 2... And Spider-Man Three, though you you're a defender of Spider-Man Three, right? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, why don't you expand on that? You have a whole rant you go on about it. Well, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since I practiced that one. Uh, but I just I feel like it's just keeping in line with Sam Raimi, it, like. It got to be full on Sam Raimi for the third one, which is it's kind of campy and a little ridiculous and it doesn't take itself seriously. Whereas the first two were more moderated. And in some ways that made the first two uh, higher quality and maybe have more mass appeal. But it also made the third one more interesting and less cookie cutter. Yeah. And I agree with that. I mean, at the at the risk of losing a lot of comic street cred, the infamous scene in Spider-Man 3 where Peter Parker has the the emo hair and he's dancing mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, it's funny. I thought it was funny. It was it yeah. was dumb, but if you go into the movie and and you don't expect a sequel to the beloved first two Spider-Man films and you just take it on its own terms and watch it as a silly Sam Raimi movie, I don't know why you would watch it that way. It's totally fair to expect the third movie to be a true sequel to the first two. But if you watch it that way, it's, you know, enjoyable. Exactly. Putting all that aside, you're skeptical of this new Into the Spider-Verse animated film. And you're not alone. I did an episode, I think it was episode three, with our other brother, my older brother, Alun, where we talked about Punisher, and in that episode, he expressed some concerns. He thought it looked too silly. Like you mentioned, you've got Spider-Ham, a small anthropomorphic pig who dresses up (laughs) as (laughs) Spider-Man. Too silly is what he thought. But in addition to the news I just told you about, so Sony's very confident in it, in addition to that, some reviews have started coming in. Care to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score currently is? For this movie? 32. <laughs> no. Is it higher? Yeah, higher. A little higher. Oh, a little higher. 53. A little, just a tad, a tad little bit higher. 
<laughs> out of how many reviews though? Three. Uh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thirty-seven reviews. Whoa! It was twenty when I checked a few hours ago. So they're pouring in, and, and everyone likes it. Everyone likes it. Hmm. So I right, maybe I should reconsider. Yeah, let's let's say you should you should watch the trailer after this episode and report back. Next episode will likely be a Spider-Man episode, so it'll be it'll be appropriate for that one. You report back. Let us know what you think of the trailer. I think it looks like a blast. I actually have thought that from the first trailer. It looks awesome. does look a little bit silly, but now I can't wait after seeing those reviews. And it comes out in two weeks. Hey, the first ever Gil Reads Comics movie review. Let's do it in two weeks. Bam. That's exciting. And is it 2D or 3D animated? It's sort of a mix. It's it's three-dimensional. I mean, it definitely moves through space in a three-dimensional way, but you'll see it has a sort of 2D aesthetic. Mm. Alon and I compared it to the Peanuts movie, which you probably haven't seen, so it's not helpful no. to you. <laughs> it may have also cost me some more comic street cred. You're, you're calling Spider-Man Peanuts? The animation style is a little similar. That's all I'm saying. And, and the reason I pointed it out is because a lot of people have been saying that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has a very unique animation style. So I was just calling a little foul on that. It is unique, but it looks a little bit like Peanuts. So uh, homework, Adam. Watch both of the Spider-Verse trailers and watch a clip from the Peanuts movie and give us your opinion on uh, the trailer. And my see if you agree with my point here that it's a somewhat similar animation style. Deal. All right. With that, let's dive back into Batman. Issue 59 just recently came out. Part two of The Tyrant Wing. Let's get into it. So this issue is uh, similar to some of the previous Batman issues we've read. It plays with the timeline, jumps back and forth between the now and the earlier. Now, Batman is entering Arkham Asylum. Earlier, Batman's talking to Penguin. In the now storyline, Arkham Asylum, you can't just walk in, right? Unless you're Batman. It is guarded, he beats up one of the guards and he intimidates them until they let him in. So what did you think of this scene here? What 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 did you think of Batman's treatment of law enforcement here? Tossing them around like ragdolls. So this looked a little out of character for Batman. Um you can tell he's really angry though. He's got he's like baring his teeth and uh, he's just intimidating them. There doesn't seem to be much of a respect for the law coming from him. And the emotional side of Batman definitely comes through in his later actions uh, at, well, after he gets into Arkham Asylum. Yeah, it's this is all it's out of character for him, but it's reflective of his current mental emotional state. Catwoman left him at the altar. He's heartbroken. And then... uh. His his quasi son got shot in the head with a sniper. Right, so, he's, so he's been pushed to the edge. Exactly, and Batman's not going to talk about it, but he will be a little bit more aggressive than usual. That's how he handles it. That's the why doesn't I he talk it. about it? When I uh, when I'm on my way to work, if I start shoving people, 
on the subway. It's because I'm mad about something. <laughs> Does it help you feel better? Not really. I don't know why I keep doing it. <laughs> Maybe Batman needs to talk to someone. Yeah. Well, let's see if it helps because he's got Penguin as his new friend. So, so earlier, right? Right now he's breaking into he's walking into Arkham. Earlier he's talking to Penguin. And Penguin reveals what we already started to piece together on our own that Bane is in Arkham Asylum and he's taken over. All the guards are following him, all the villains in Arkham are doing whatever Bane says, and Penguin has been working for him. So if you remember, recently we found four dead bodies, dead females. With some frozen brain stuff, brain stems. Mm -hmm. So they thought it was Freeze. Turns out it was Penguin working for Bane. And it's weird how uh, you would think that taking over an insane asylum wouldn't be that big of a threat. But I guess because Arkham, as you put it, is this revolving door for villains. If you control Arkham, you essentially control the epicenter of supervillain crime. In Gotham. It's like the mayor's mansion, but for evil. The mayor's mansion? Well, you know, or a governor. You know how like, there's like a governor's mansion? Just in in places that have governors? Sure. <laughs> so <But> Arkham is, <laughs> is like the evil version of that. I, are you talking about in real life or in, in games and, and movies and stuff? I think every state has a governor's mansion. It's like a White House, but for a state. Okay, and so can, I see. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that it's like you know how there's <laughs> some buildings are considered in in the world a seat of government. Mm -hmm. So the the supervillain equivalent of that is Arkham Asylum. If you rule Arkham, you rule the city's evil. Arkham Asylum is the White House of villains in Gotham. That's the point I'm making. I got you. So you're just saying what I said, but in a, a more a pointless circuitous. Point. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to the now. Our uh, Batman's in Arkham, and he starts beating up an invalid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the guy he's beating up seems to have no idea what's going on. He's like in the fetal position in the corner of a padded room. Yeah, this this is the guy who's presumably Bane, or at least Batman thinks he's Bane, and he just starts beating the hell out of him. And yeah. Bane it, it just begs him. He, at one point, literally begs for his mom. His mommy. Oh, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Mommy. Where's my mommy? <laughs> yeah, though he's not wearing the mask in this. Yeah, we've never seen Bane like this before. Shirtless. Well, we've seen him shirtless. But shirtless and maskless. We've, we've only cowering. seen him shirtless. <laughs> That's true. Shirtless or in a trench coat. Yeah. Yeah, here he's got no uh, shirt or mask. Um, he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, physique-wise. Well, he looks. Well, he's just getting the crap beat out of him. Yeah, and at at this point, when you were reading this, did you believe him that he's not really Bane? Because that's essentially what's going on. Batman's beating him up. This guy is acting like he doesn't know what's going on. When you were reading this, do you think this is an act? Do you think that Bane has been so destroyed by Batman he's lost his mind? Or do you think this is someone else entirely? What was your what was your reaction in the moment reading this scene? 
at, at first I took it at face value and thought this is Bane, but something happened that made him mentally disturbed or like mentally incompetent. Then I thought maybe he got the wrong guy and that would be a way of just showing again, how far off the deep end uh, Batman has been pushed emotionally. Yeah. And I think the, the, the way they want us to read it is, or at least the understanding of people in Arkham and people around Bane, the understanding is that Bane lost his mind, that he's been essentially comatose in a way since his run in with Batman earlier mm-hmm. in this run of comics. Right, it was catatonic. a Bane versus Batman story. Batman and then Bane lost his mind. That's the idea. Uh, when I was reading it, my my first thought was that uh, I definitely didn't take it at face value. I assumed that Bane. Well, we we saw Bane, so we know that he is running the show. What I thought is maybe somehow this guy was a decoy. This was some other guy that somehow Bane swapped in to take his mm. place. That's not. Yeah, I could see that. But that's we'll not what it that is. That, but it's not what it is. But <laughs> that's what I thought when I was reading it. <laughs> Back to the earlier timeline, where Batman is talking to Penguin. Batman points out to Penguin that if Bane was really as powerful as Penguin says he is, and if Bane could rule Arkham and do all of that without Batman finding out. Then Penguin coming to Batman like this to betray Bane is is essentially suicide. So Batman says, "I don't believe you. That's too crazy. You wouldn't do that. I don't believe Bane has all this power." But Penguin makes his case. He says, "Yes, yes, I'm aware. And so why, you ask, am I willing to die? Why have I, like the rest of your beloved gallery of rogues, finally gone mad?" My dear Batman, there is but one thing that drives a man to madness. Love. Yeah, and when he says love, the panel is just Batman with his head down. It's kind of dark. It it could almost be as though Batman interrupted to say love, kind of to answer it. And it's it's a parallel because, in a way, Batman's losing his mind because of love. Love of Catwoman. Love of his, uh, of, 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 I was going to say love of his Robin. <laughs> Sounds weird. <laughs> love of Robin, Dick Grayson. Rick Grayson. Rick Grayson. Uh, is that true, by the way? That love is the only thing that can make you crazy for a man? I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the only thing, but it's definitely something. <laughs> it was hyperbole. It's a little hyperbole, but. In this case, he's right. I think both of them have been driven a little mad due to love. Yeah. So Peng- Penguin loved, uh, I forget her name. but Penny. Yeah, Penguin loved Penny and Penny was killed. And now it's driven him to go as so far as to cooperate with Batman. To cooperate with Batman and betray Batman's strongest villain, Bane. Risking death. Yeah. Back and, in the now. It, and oh, it's ahead. also interesting because you said uh, in the last issue about this that what's unique about Penguin is he's actually sane. 
and I, I didn't know if that was an established thing that everyone knows or that was just your interpretation of it saying like penguin's actually pretty reasonable he's not crazy he's just kind of villainous uh but here it's like he's openly acknowledging uh he's saying why have i like the rest of your beloved gallery of rogues finally gone mad and so he he's kind of admitting i was like one of the only sane villains and now even i've lost it <laughs> and there's just something really funny about that just the, the fact that he can acknowledge like i'm the only sane one you know <laughs> and uh now that's over well back in the in the now in the present batman continues to beat up bane which, by the way, reading this whole the, the whole section of Batman beating up Bane, I found I don't know if you found the same. I found it disturbing to read, because even though you know Bane is truly up to no good, you're not really quite sure if this is Bane or what's going on at this point when you're reading it, and it's fully drawn and written as though this is somebody that doesn't know what's going on, and you're just watching Batman beat him up. Yeah, I mean, all, all this guy can do is basically is beg to be left alone and to beg for his mom. He's just saying, like, P -p -p please, and M yeah. mommy. This this feels like a theme that Batman writers often go back to. I remember in The Dark Knight when uh, Two-Face, before he became Harvey Dent, before he became Two-Face, he snatched up a guy that was involved in one of Joker's schemes earlier in the movie. He grabs this guy and brings him to a warehouse and starts beating him up and trying to essentially torture him, interrogate him. And Batman stops him and he, he tells Harvey, this guy just escaped from Arkham, something like that. And it was the same idea. He's torturing somebody that's not in their right mind. He's not going to give you any information. It was just as disturbing in the dark night mm. as it is here. Batman, as he's beating up Bane, he's throwing these accusations at him. You framed Freeze, killed those women, tried to kill Alfred, and from that, it's not hard to see that you worked with the Beast. You, you shot my boy. And then he kicks him in the face. This is what you were referencing earlier. He's angry, and he gets into a little bit of what's making him angry. And he keeps going. He tries to get Bane to admit that he's Bane. You know, tell me that you're Bane. And then he headbutts him really hard in the face. Yeah. That you. <laughs> it looked painful just, just seeing it visually. Yeah. And the way they wrote crunch without a U. Oh. I didn't notice that it lacked a U because yeah. <laughs> it had two H's. So the word just seemed like the right length. <laughs> it's one of those subtle things where you remove the vowel. You don't even notice it, but it, it just packs. Vowels are soft. This is hard. Yeah. It's, this packed more of a crunch. Yeah. At this point, did you believe Bane? I mean, he's getting beat up so bad and he's still holding it together. What was your read at this point in the issue? I believed it. It didn't even really occur. To, I was naive. It didn't really occur to me to question it. Yeah, so you haven't read enough comics, so you're yeah. just taking everything <laughs> at face value. Uh, how about this question? You shot my boy. 
at this point, are we meant to understand? Do you think Batman is aware that Robin is still alive? I don't know. That's confusing, right? Because he's he's still alive in his own comic series, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, you would think he would be keeping tabs on it. He you wouldn't just he wouldn't just assume he died and then not follow up or check. Yeah. <laughs> or he gets shot in the head and then you just yeah, uh, wouldn't he at least wonder why there wasn't a funeral? <laughs> well, we actually, you know what? We know that Batman's aware because it came up in conversation with Jim Gordon in the previous issue uh, where Jim Jim mentions to Batman, hey, I knew a guy that had the same wound that Robin did, and he came back. Mm. So Batman's aware. Uh, the, the problem is that they, they want to write this story as, as if... Robin is dead and Batman's on a tirade. He's angry, but they can't kill Robin. They don't want to kill Robin or Nightwing. He has his own ongoing series. So they're sort of trying to write around it and be vague about it so they can write this story as though Dick Grayson is dead while still keeping him alive. That's right, you want the, one thing. The emotional I would, impact. Right. They want the emotional impact of a death. And I'll say that I hold it against the comic a little. It would be one of my criticisms that it takes me out of it a little when when they're sort of writing around it and it's very clear. But I understand why they're doing it, so I probably won't bring it up again. But I'll just throw it out there that it's it rubs me the wrong way a little bit. That makes sense. And I, I imagine for people who are not following along with the other comic, was it Nightwing? Nightwing, yeah. Yeah. For for people who are not following that comic and who are more casual readers like me, they probably don't really notice this inconsistency. Yeah. That's true. If you were just reading this, you would you wouldn't question it. You would say he got shot, he's either dead or in a really bad place and I don't really need to know more than that. It works. Yeah. Well, back in the earlier timeline where Batman's talking to Penguin we have one of my not one of my I would say my favorite line of the issue Penguin says to Batman stop throwing me I'm here I surrender I'm no threat to you for goodness sake I'm the Penguin (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love that (laughs) it's as though he had to do that to remind him I'm the Penguin look at me squawk like a bird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was funny. It's like he's it's like he's per- performing a little act for him. Yeah. Look at me go. <laughs> and we finally find out who's Penny. Who's his wife? As as we suspected. Yeah. Well, I thought it might have been his daughter and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still technically possible, I guess. Oh, uh, that's true. Well, it was his wife murdered by Bane. He wants revenge, and he is unafraid to die for that revenge. Do you believe that this is all that's going on with Penguin? Is it? Should we take this at face value? Penguin's pissed off that his wife got killed by Bane, so he's teaming up with Batman to betray Bane. 
That's that's what's presented to us. Could there be something more behind this? Do you think Penguin has some part of the plan that he's not telling Batman about? I think he might. I think he is prepared to die if necessary for vengeance, but I don't think he actually wants to. And if if this plan works and they're able to take care of Bane, then he probably won't get killed, and it's not a suicide mission. And then he also took out someone who was exerting their power over him, so it works out better for him because then he can continue doing what he was doing without Bane interfering all the time. Mm-hmm. So th- for him, this kind of has the the one basic possible outcome, which is it's a suicide mission, uh, but he has plenty of reason to think that he won't die in the process and then he'll be better off. Agree with all that, but I'll add one thing and I'll add a prediction. I think that Penguin has a deeper plan than we're aware of. And somehow that plan involves taking out Bane, as you said, but also taking out Batman. And I think that the Tyrant Wing name of the story arc will have a double meaning. He's a tyrant to Bane, but I think he's also going to betray Batman. That's my mm, prediction. Wing. Yeah, Wing. This is a bat- Batman. Right, also a penguin. Yeah. I don't know. You're more keyed into this title thing well, than I am. <laughs> I'm more keyed into the title. <laughs> I read the title. You read the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have that same interpretation. Okay. Well, what, wait, what was your interpretation of the title? Well, isn't that, uh, like, wasn't that a Shakespeare thing or a quote from? Yeah. Yeah, it was part of the poem that Penguin was uh, was a fan of from Shakespeare. Yeah. But yeah. I just don't know how to, how to inter- interpret it much farther than just saying uh, Bane is kind of a, was it Bane? Bane is a tyrant? Yeah. No, no. From- but I think that I think that Penguin's the tyrant because he's betraying Bane and the wing is the bird, the penguin. His penguin loved birds growing up. Mm. Okay. I agree with that. All right. I'm glad <laughs> glad I got you around to my way of thinking on that one. Back to the now. Batman really embarrasses himself in a big way here. Because Jim Gordon walks in on Batman beating up Bane. I mean, and, and to Gordon's from Jim Gordon's perspective, it looks like Batman's totally lost his mind and he's just beating the hell out of a defenseless, mentally handicapped guy in a padded cell. And then the worst thing of all, in his rage, Batman punches Jim. And then mm. Jim tells Batman... I'll give you a warning if you leave now. And he says specifically, you think you're better than them? Better than us? I'm sick of you. Get the hell out of my sight. I think he's being a little hard on Batman, which you might think is ridiculous because Batman beat his way through guards to get into here. He's creating this whole big scene. But at the same time, Jim knows he was there when Dick got shot. So I think he should be a little bit more sympathetic. Plus, it's not like Jim is doing a great job. Like Arkham 
<laughs> is not doing what it's supposed to do, which is keep criminals off the streets. And Bane has been able to coordinate all kinds of attacks from within the walls, and he didn't pick up on it, or he doesn't believe it. So, I mean, he's, he's screwed up. Doesn't mean he deserved to get punched, but uh, Batman's kind of right here. Well, the funny thing is, Batman doesn't... Well, Jim doesn't know he screwed up, and Batman doesn't really know either. He's so far taken it on Penguin's word, and he's in Arkham right now, but he hasn't actually seen any proof yet that Bane really has taken over. So, Batman didn't necessarily have the justification in his mind that I'm going to punch Jim because he let Arkham get so bad. No, punching Jim was over the line. He shouldn't have punched Jim. Yeah. But Jim shouldn't have. Well, and I guess, you know what? I can't blame Jim here. He got punched in the face by Batman. I would be annoyed too. (laughs) Back to earlier. Penguin is asking out loud, how can he prove his love for Penny? You can't prove love. It's impossible. But then over the next four panels, he monologues about his love, cries a little bit, and he offers that. That's his proof of love. His tears. I believe him. I believe he was in love. Yeah, he seems genuine here. He's crying. He's talking about his memory of her eyes, their complex color. And we saw him eulogize her, essentially, by himself. He was all alone, so there was nobody to put on a show for. So we know that this was genuine. He he suffered a tragedy. That's true. I still don't trust him, but I emotionally, I believe he's telling the truth about this. Wait, but he's not on his own? No, right here he's not on his own. But last issue, he went to her gravesite mm. and, and uh, monologued her. Correct. Eulogized her, I mean. <laughs> you know, monologue isn't a verb. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think I've said it about 12 times this episode. Yeah. <laughs> or at least over the course of, of Gil Reed's comics. At, on Gil Reed's comics, we don't follow the rules. Nouns can be verbs. Verbs can be adverbs. And words can mean anything. Nouns can be verbed. Oh, nice. I I just did. Uh, yeah. That I just verbed it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's the synopsis for this episode. Nouns can be verbed. Well, back to the now. Bane is lying on a gurney. That's called a gurney, right? Yeah. He's not in good shape. Adam, your medical opinion. How's Bane doing? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, he's got a black eye. He's got some lacerations along his face and his, uh, close to his other eye, the one that's not a black eye, but it is swollen and kind of red. But he lets out a little smirk in the last panel, which tells me he's doing fine and, and this is all going according to plan. Well, in addition to the surface wounds, the doctors mentioned signs of hemorrhaging. Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Well, that means he's bleeding somewhere. They probably mean he's bleeding in his brain, oh. which would make sense because if you get hit hard enough in the skull that many times, your brain can get jostled around or some blood vessels can kind of get damaged. Well, and they mentioned trauma to the parietal lobe. 
and parietal the occipital lobe. lobe. What are yeah, those? Yeah, the occipital lobe is the part of the brain that integrates your vision and your sight. And the parietal lobe uh, has more to do with helping you identify the world around you. Well, what does that mean? Uh, for example, if your right parietal lobe is damaged, you might just not even notice anything that happens on the left side of the of the world. Oh, so even if you can, even if your eyes are taking in the light from the left side of your of the space that you're in, and it's even the vision's getting processed in certain parts of the brain, you might not consciously realize anything is happening. So you might. So Bane may have lost half of his world, and he'll want revenge. <laughs> you took away half my world. He's instead of Two Face, he's Two, Two Brain. The funny thing about uh, people who have this—it's called hemi neglect. They don't know that they're missing anything. Oh, really? Yeah. They, you can you can demonstrate it to them, and they'll understand it. But it's not like they just see a black spot that's missing. It's just an absence. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if they'll. So we may see some of that next issue. <laughs> Maybe I. I think probably they'll. Control. So he could end up getting brain surgery, like have part of his skull removed to relieve the the pressure of the bleeding, mm-hmm. and then that could, that could potentially save his, his faculties. Well, as you said, he seems just fine because Batman swinging around, leaving Arkham, talking to Alfred over the radio. And he explains how Bane is claiming not to be Bane. And Alfred asks Batman, And sir, do you believe him? Batman says, I, I don't know. And that's written over the panel of Bane smiling. Yeah. So he was right to beat him up. And I'm glad he didn't stop once it was, once it started to appear like Bane had no clue who he was or what was going on. Yeah, it kind of reframes the issue because first read through, you're thinking, I love seeing Batman mad. I love seeing him beat up bad guys, but I I don't know if he's a bad guy. But now you see him smile at the end. You can go back and read it again. And this time you're like, yeah, hit him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at this point, guaranteed, Bane's faking it. There's no question, right? I would say so. Is there any way Batman can prove it? Can you run some kind of a test? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like a polygraph. (laughs) If they just had, you know what? If they have some cameras in Arkham, that would do it. Yeah, which for some reason I have a feeling they probably don't have enough. (laughs) We have cameras everywhere except for the room with the throne of skulls. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, what do you think? This is your first time reading... Uh, prob- this is probably your first time reading a Batman comic, right? Uh, aside from like Dark Knight Returns or Year One mm-hmm. and Killing Joke, right? Uh, yeah, I liked it. The art was great, and the action was well done. Like I could even when it was just Batman beating the crap out of Bane in that small room, I could like tell what was going on and, and like. Each each punch and every headbutt had a sh- a strong sense of like real harsh violence. Like it made it have an emotional impact as you're watching it because it's like 
uh, I don't, should Batman be doing this? <laughs> yeah. And it's even funny there. You said the word watching it because that oh, yeah. it really feels like motion. You'll read, you'll flip a page and see an image and like wince at just how, how violent it is. Yeah, exactly. And then cutting back and forth between that and his conversation with Penguin, while also touching on the theme about uh, being driven to madness, I thought it all tied in really well, and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think the cutting back and forth structure, it's usually being done, I think, to draw some sort of a comparison or a parallel between two situations, but it also sort of just doubles as a way to break up the action a bit. You've heard me complain before about if something is too action-heavy, I'll start to get bored if it just ends up being two people beating the hell out of each other. But if you're intercutting that with giving me more information, keeping me interested, on a visceral level, I enjoy that. You know, In addition to whatever interesting thing is going on where they're drawing some sort of a parallel. In this case, like you said, kind of the comparison of uh, you're going crazy. And by the way, here's what Batman going crazy looks like. Right, he's beating up an apparently defenseless person. Right. It reminded me a little bit of the end of Dark Knight Returns, where Bane is this big bad villain, and then by the end he's reduced to a whimpering fool. (laughs) Because he was in love with Talia, remember? Yeah. All right. Hey, this was fun. I like when you read it. Yeah, me too. Let's do this again. I agree. Next up, you know what we have? Uh, Just today, issue 10 of Amazing Spider-Man came out. So we get to do another big chunk of Spider-Man. We're going to cover 8, 9, and 10. I want to do that all in one go. Three issues. See what the Black Cat's up to. What did you say? Spider-Man what? Spider-Marathon. Yes, Spider Marathon. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll dive into Spider Geddon a little bit too. And uh, to kind of get us hyped up for Into the Spider Verse, the movie. I can't wait. I'm Gil. I'm Adam. And, I, and we read comics. And we read comics. <laughs> <laughs>